Hey, you, Prime members, you can listen to Three Little Words ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. This podcast is brought to you by Quorn, the nation's favourite meat-free brand. Quorn is a great partner for this show because I personally haven't eaten meat for 35 years, so Quorn has been a great source of protein for me. For each podcast, our sponsor Quorn has given us a fact which Tony uses to illuminate us in the world of Quorn. Yeah, let me illuminate you in the world of Quorn. That's an interesting use of language, John. Quorn spaghetti bolognese has 90% less saturated fat than a beef version, so it's a good choice if you're looking to eat more healthily. So if you're going vegan, vegetarian, or just cutting down on meat a bit, you'll find that Quorn is a great option because they've got so many different products, from cocktail sausages to Turkish-style kebab. There's something for everyone. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. Welcome to Three Little Words, I'm John Bishop, it's a podcast where a guest picks three words that mean something to them, they can be words that bring back memories or words that explain a little bit more about who they are, and at the end we asked them for one word that they would happily never hear again, I'm here with Tony Pitts too, he's a writer, actor and a mate of mine who's worked with Steven Spielberg and was nearly in Star Wars, <laughs> I love saying that you were nearly in Star yeah, well, Wars, this not, has become a standard no, I was in Star Wars, uh, in, a, in, a, in a somewhat diminished capacity than the one that was originally laid out. I think we've established that. Right, what's happened is I was in Star Wars, I had 11 scenes... How's it turned into this? I had 11 scenes, they had a good look at the 11 scenes and I ended up with one line. Well, that's pretty good. You're still in it, though. I'll tell you what, I'm pretty excited. I'll leave here today. Yeah. So, and I was with Tony, you know, the bloke from Star Wars, you know. Yes, exactly. Uh, John's taking it. John, my friend of 20 years over, takes it somehow to to the front. No, it's not. See, I loved loved the fact that you go, I had 11 scenes and ended up with one. I would just say, I was in one scene in Star Wars with Doomy. No, I win a lot what, of scenes. What, what about Alec Guinness? How many did he have? I've, I've never seen Star Wars. <laughs> I've never seen. I, I've no idea. You Do know, you? it might be that percentage-wise, percentage-wise, it was I, the same thing. I think, yeah. You know, they've got a Spielberg. He's, you don't get. You've got to make edits. You've got to it, accept that. And it wasn't Spielberg. No, yeah, no it's Spielberg. Exactly. Was and it wasn't. It was edited, not edited out. That's the important thing. Uh, That's a good yeah, thing. That, so. Well, I feel better about myself than I did before. We start this conversation. Well, good, good. So, Tony, who's in Star Wars, obviously (laughs) you can probably tell by the voice. Our guest today has brought live music to our living rooms for 40 years, presenting later with Jules Holland, and for nearly three decades, which is uh, an amazing run on any television show, with his Hootenani, his New Year's Eve show, which I have to talk to you about specifically later, for reasons that will become apparent. He's basically... One of the best live performances this country's ever produced. Jules Holland, 
thank you for coming to the show. It's a pleasure, a thrill and an honour to be here. I'm uh, admirers of you both, and so it's just nice to be here. And nice to be able to just settle down and have a chat. It you is, know, yeah. We don't have to put wet fishes or something like that on our head in a gimmick or lock ourselves in a room and eat spiders or anything like that. We just have chats. Just a chat. Yeah. But I, ha- I also have to take this opportunity to apologise. Oh, surely uh, Because not. I came to recording of the Hootenani, oh. if you recall, a few years ago. And uh, and what happened, I went, and because I'm a massive fan of the show, a massive fan of, of your career and of you, I, I, a wonderful thing, I took my uh, father-in-law, who's since passed away, it was one of the best nights I had with him. So oh, I took lovely. him took a couple of mates as well there was about six of us there and uh, we managed to get the table you came over you had a chat we, there was other people in the audience like Fiona Bruce etc etc at one point I went round the back to go to the toilet and I, I nipped back and I'd found a microphone so a microphone without a cable just a handheld microphone oh. so we were messing on the table me and my mates and then, then it comes to the end where you've got all the guests together singing and we were all having a laugh and everybody saying come play we're all swearing like and then I looked and one of my mates had walked around the back with the microphone <laughs> and we stood back Bobby Womack and Petula Clark and swaying <laughs> with his hat on yes, and the with them. it was yeah. so funny because you could see everybody yeah, else in the sing along <laughs> thing what band is he in but that is New Year's Eve for you it's absolutely beautiful moment yeah, it, no, was, honestly, it, it, it lives Nice, it's nice having you there. It um, lives amongst my mates, and every new course, year yeah. he takes the clip yeah. that was on the telly. He's now gigging with Bobby Womack. And you could tell Womack. the editors were trying to cut desperately around this scouse <laughs> the scouse yeah. Of yeah. course, the other person that did also, may I just say, what a treat! The idea I'd forgotten that you have, you know, Bobby Womack and Petula Clark. That's who your mate wow. was in between. Yeah, wow. what, a, how what, great, what a moment! What a great because I always think it's great for me to be there, but more so that he, your friends there, yeah. in between them all. Yeah. For you, I mean, you have sat in the presence of of greatness so many times, it's almost normal. I'm so lucky because I sit there at the piano, I've a view down the piano, there's incredible stuff. She's just thinking about the Hootenanny, though, there was a comedian called Malcolm Hardy, who used to have a club in Greenwich, he was a friend of mine, and he came to the Hootenanny when we had Ron Wood on, and Ron Wood, I think, was doing a song, and Malcolm, which is something he used to do, just took all of his clothes off and just walked across the stage. (laughs) without any because he had big thick horn rim glasses he could have almost passed for sort of a bus inspector or something like that he had this very normal look about it and he was walking completely naked and you could see everybody like what What?" and then he got and then he got arrested not arrested but taken by the security to the box at the BBC and in the middle of the show I get a phone call from him saying like they're they're, they're like getting the police help me I'm just trying to part the show I said oh I know but it's it's that thing you know when people have that disconnect me to go I was only having a laugh yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. show business yeah exactly show not... business yeah. walking around naked yeah. come yeah. on yeah so yeah, listen cool. Jules thank you for coming on the show as you know the idea is that you bring three ways that means something to you I've got to ask because I'm intrigued at what they are because I don't know I know Tony's had some forewarning what's your first word my first word I think is boogie woogie isn't it yes yeah. uh, this morning my wife said to me what words you choose? That's a good thing to go on. And said boogie woogie. She said, "Well, that's two words." I said, "No, it's not." Wow. Yeah. First row of the day. So I said, "No, it's it's boogie woogie." She said, "No, it's boogie woogie." I said, "Well, no, you don't say." Nobody says no, it like no that. It's one like word. It. No one pauses. And it, its origins. Wow. 
It's Origins. Would you like to get to the Origins now, or am I, am I, am I, flying, am I flying ahead? Well, what I've got here is a, a brief definition, an etymology of the word, where it uh, arrives, and then a couple of quotes about it, so I'll quickly bang them in. One, the definition of Booyah Woogie is a style of blues music with close links to jazz forms like ragtime and stride, and it's usually played on the piano. Boogie Woogie is generally associated with being played by untrained musicians, often on low-quality instruments. <laughs> thank, you. thank you very much. <laughs> not, not, not my words. Yeah. Emphasising rhythm and not melody. Using the left hand to continually play a repeated rhythm. Using breaks in the music to rest the left hand and create suspense in the music. Being unpredictable and using screams and cries to create emotion in the lyrics. The etymology of it I find fascinating. The origin of it is uncertain, but Boogie was a name given to a rent party in the early 20th century in the United States. These parties were impromptu affairs set up to raise money to pay the rent, in which a small entrance fee was charged. The parties went from house to house every month as the unemployment rate rose in America. The etymology of the word is unclear, but they suspect it's uh, an African word from different African tribes. The Hausa tribe have the words boog. The Mandigos have Booga. The West African word is Boogie. And the Bantu term is Mabuki Mawuki. Mabuki Mawuki. Mabuki, yeah, which uh, they are all around meaning to the beat or to dance. So that's what we have for the... And if um, I may say so, my my uncle, who taught me Boogie Woogie Piano, he pronounced it, or then a London way, which was Boogie Woogie. He was a, a slower... Yes. He's got a little Boogie Woogie Piano. Boogie Woogie. That was a, and I rather like that, that take on it. In my association with a lot of the American musicians, they say it's Boogie Woogie. It's, it's fast yes. like that. And yeah. when pronounced like that... I have to say, I could hear it being quite. I could hear it being an Af- of African origin, yes. like it was saying there yes. from the West African sound. Yes. So I think that's probably where it is. Also, let's not forget there is a, there are sexual connotations, as there are in a lot of uh, blues and boogie woogie music, which is that. Big Joe Turner's famous record, Come Along, Pretty Person, Lay Across My Big Brass Bed, Won't You Boogie My Woogie Till My Face Turns Cherry Red, as, an ex- as a lyrical example of where yes. Boogie is, 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 uses an example of, of, uh, of sexually heightened yes. uh, behaviour. Don't worry, I'm not going to do that here, I'm just explaining. <laughs> no, I feel free, I, I, you're amongst I, friends. But the thing for me was when I first heard it, it was the excitement, and as our friend Richard Hawley would say, of the boogie woogie rhythm and then the it's in a minor key often on a major key at the same time which they don't say there it's not related to ragtime piano because ragtime piano is not particularly in tight time it's very syncopated and when played well which is really hard to do it is like a whole orchestra because you've got the rhythm section in your left hand and the right hand can be like a big band playing its riffs or with the, or uh, soloing, uh, whichever you like. It can also be used as a accompaniment. There are some people, and it can be played on the guitar, like Lightning Hopkins is a great boogieist on the ah. guitar because the music he plays has the same effect. So it's the effect that the boogie-woogie has as much as physically exactly what it does to the to, on a piano, but it's the effect it has on the human spirit, which is important. That, that's, that's the point that, that, that struck me about it, is boogie-woogie. When you said that, I'm so glad that you said it because it's something that I think of with you. Like I, Everybody in the world wants yeah. to be Jules Holland yeah. because everyone <laughs> in the world wants to walk in and lift the room and Boogie yeah. Woogie. When I when I've seen you play Boogie Woogie, and I've ever seen anyone play Boogie Woogie, I think it has the same emotional impact on a person that laughter does. I don't think you I could agree. be depressed yeah. and play. It's boogie irresistible, woogie. I think, isn't it? And in fact, that's exactly. It. And when I first heard it, so my uncle had learnt it from my mother, 
because wow. she was uh, she was slightly older than him. But my, and my uncle was, you know, I must have been about eight, and he would have been about sixteen, something like this. So he was only a young fellow, but he was in a blues group. This is in sort of nineteen sixty-five or something like this, in an amateur sort of blues group, like the Rolling Stones. They were exactly like the Rolling Stones, except they didn't make millions of pounds or anything like that. And he was a lorry <laughs> driver, but he was it was great, you know. But he said, "Listen, I'm doing a bit of boogie woogie piano," and he only really knew one piece. But um, when I heard it on my grandmother's piano all bashed up in the front room there i was thinking this is the best thing it's like laughter it like lifted you up yeah. it took you to another place it made me so happy and so excited and the, the chaos of everything became ordered and you thought this is it what is how does he doing that what's how are you doing that uncle dave so he showed me on the and i could i was at that age i could copy him and i think at that young age you're open to a lot more ideas by the time you become a teenager you're a bit more how no, old, I like how this old are you talking about yeah. i'm probably about eight years old at this time wow. Wow. Uh, uh, and and of course i you know I, I, I like the beatles i like the things that were on the radio at the time I liked all the motown the monkeys whatever's going on uh, but of course this music just really excited me but i had no idea uh, what where it came from and it's and it's so then i started to look curiously enough i've walked into soho to visit you here today which is very nice but i then thought well where does this music come from and my dad was quite good about he, he liked old jazz and blues records and things like that so he said oh you want to go to dobell's jazz record shop and sent me off i had some money for my birthday aged about eight or nine and sent me off on the 53 bus mm. it was red rover you could go from the day from charlton to to the London's fashionable West End. Yeah, yeah, swinging but, West End. Uh, uh, but then there I was, there was in the middle of swinging London, the middle of crime-ridden London, you know, temptation uh, beckoning me from every doorway, just skipping along in my school uniform, my jumper, into Dobell's jazz record shop. You know, but in those days, I think it was, no, nobody thought twice about sending a sort of a, a eight-year-old no. lad into the... Into yes. the heart of into the den, in, into the den of, of iniquity, iniquity and, yeah. and, and, the, yeah. and the most sinful city on earth. Yes, no, just off you go, son. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, into Dobell's I go, and there was I was just lucky because there was such a wonderful bloke in the shop, and he said, and it used to be when you could listen to records in booths. I said, yes. hello, come to buy some bo- a boogie woogie record, please. And because the local record shop didn't really have those, they just had the local charts in a week, you know. So he said, oh yeah, and so he pulled out for me. All of the, it must have been, I don't know, 15, 20 LPs. He said, go in the booth there. And this must have been about sort of half past ten in the morning. So then at half past five, there's a little tap on the door of the booth. He said, well, we're closing now. Have you, have you, which wow. one do you like? What a nice bloke. So yes. I said, well, I think I like this one. And he said, well, actually, that really is a good one. Anyway, that was Pete Johnson, a record I got. Pete Johnson and Albert Ammons and Jimmy Yancey. And it turned out, not that I really knew this at the time, but they were the sort of architects in lots of ways of what the music was. And um, so... I was very lucky to get that and get that early understanding and because and, and get a further understanding as I went along because as far as I can, knew, when you're eight years old, music comes from the same place. You know, I sort of knew the Beatles came from Liverpool, but as far as I knew, uh, Boogie Woogie might have come from Liverpool. I didn't yeah. really know. But then you started to put it geographically and also in time. I didn't realise it was a music from the 19... Uh, started off, like you know, sort of in the 1930s and all of this sort of thing, 20s and 30s. So I st- it was then began a journey of discovery, which is always nice, if you have something like that, yeah. which has never, has never stopped since. Yeah, but, but it, yeah, a journey of discovery is only fed by a passion inside. You know, everybody has a little bit of, oh, I like a little bit of that, a little bit of this. To be eight years of age, sit into a booth all day and listen to album after album. Well, because I was looking for that moment again. It was a bit like, it was a bit like having your first sort of 
excitement let me put it that way yes that yes. you're looking for it what's Li- that i want what listen what can we have one of those please so i was looking for that lift that excitement that it had been when i first heard it and i suppose to this day i'm still looking for that because you could play something and it's never the same twice it's like when you're on stage you never do you know never, yeah, you yeah. might have the same line but it's never the same twice you'll have you'll have one way and one night you think oh that really got it that was yeah, great yeah, yeah, and another yeah. night it was it was okay but it's it's always okay when you come to see it's always good but some nights it's really Just, yes. you get that thing yeah. whatever your first your awakening and your first awareness of whatever it is yes making people laugh you know, being able to paint yeah. being able to write something being able to act whatever it is you know maybe being a great carpenter or whatever sure, yes. but that kind of you then evolve it and evolve it and if it becomes a thing you sort of well, it becomes with. your identity yeah, yeah. right because yeah. again it makes sense of other things exactly and yeah. also then not through just boogie woogie but you understand it's the key it was a sort of the key to all music because you're listening to you yeah but through that you sort of think well how does that work then and how does own sound does all this other music work and it's well, sort of on that point up. because what what i've always liked about you with the later with jules holland and you you seem to have this this drive and I, as we know at the moment with music it's so diverse it's so out there people can get it direct to the phone that magic of flicking through records mm. is gone and so new talent has often not got the exposure it deserves and what you do is you give people a platform so you seem to have this insatiable appetite for for music and new talent now i've got two questions one you just said your 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 uncle was in a band that was like the rolling stones but not the Rolling Stones, you never made millions of pounds. So my first part of the question is, what makes somebody a musical success? Because there's so many talented people who just don't break through. And then the second part of the question is, when you're looking for to satisfy the passion that you've got, do you automatically go away from the mainstream because you've it's, 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 it's not going to satisfy this desire for you for something new? So in answer your first question, which is, you know, how does, you know, why do some people a huge success and why aren't others? Because there's lots of talented people. You know, my uncle was talented. Their group, by the way, was called The Planets, and they had a wooden board that was quite well painted, which said The Planets, London's top rhythm and blues group, which is why I called my orchestra the Rhythm and Blues Orchestra. Oh, I, yeah. thought it was, I liked that oh, word. I used to see it, and I used to hear it in records that Chuck Berry was singing. Rhythm and Blues, that's a good word. And so that's where I got that from, from him. They... All had other. I mean, I think there's a part of it is luck, part of it is circumstances, part of it is a certain determination in the person to do the thing, and and, and crossed with an inability to do anything else. Yes. So you know that's part of it. If you're so uh, and luck, you know all of those things, and the people that are really successful do have a certain drive, even if it's sometimes masked by what seems like a lot of sort of casualness and just being very easy going they have yeah. to have a certain drive to get things done not in an aggressive way or a, or, or but in a, or in a or in a way that destroys other people but in a way that their music has to come out they have to get their they music have no out choice. and i think some people if they you know they're pressured because they need to get money and stuff and it's hard and you know you think well i'm doing this i'm not really getting any money but and if i if i keep doing this music i might not be getting any money for years but if i start doing my career as a job and once you start doing a job 
you're kind of locked into that so that's going to be harder for you to get out i mean i think it's the same with all of those uh, types of any profession with in the arts like you know whether like you're being your job of being a stand-up or writing or whether you're acting or whether you're you know like being in any of those creative things because they could they they're not like a nine-to-five job although nowadays there's more on the, on the, the other positive nowadays is that there aren't like nine to five jobs anymore there's no. like they used to be because people used to go and work for a bank and they do that forever and they just that doesn't happen much anymore you know and no. you it's, it's not jobs for life anymore so and also it's, it's easier in some ways for people to get their music out they can go onto the internet and put their own thing out they're no longer completely reliant upon a record company but i think it is harder i think it's harder now but it's never been easy is the truth of it no um, and sometimes people say to me my son or daughter or whatever is really great at music i really like to listen to them tell me if they should be pursuing a career in it well the truth of it is i can never tell them that because if they've got to ask then the answer is no because you know if they if if it's for them they don't need to ask anybody they'll just be doing it they'll be doing it unstoppably they won't be able to they'll they won't be able to stop them doing it you know yeah well i think as a fierce word you can't argue with boogie woogie no no no, it's fantastic and also i'm not it's not lost to me the uh the brass neck of sitting here explaining to jules Holland what boogie woogie is (laughs) (laughs) it's that's just i'm here to learn yeah that's just as i say it's 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 a word that's not a word, it's a feeling. It's a feeling, that's right. It's more, or what's more important about it is the feeling that it promotes. Yes. Exactly, yeah. that's right. That's yes. the most important thing about yes. it. You're yeah. bang on, that's it. It's what it does to the person. It's not the word, it's the effect that it has on people. Yeah. There's also, I should just finish by saying, of course, it's inspired artists. There's a modern painter, well, from the 1920s, who did uh, the uh, Boogie Woogie on Broadway, which is like a modernist painting. Yes. Inspired by Boogie Woogie. You know, Boogie Woogie, sometimes, in that thing, it says sometimes get knocked because I think in the 40s and 50s, you got a lot of people like it was it, playing it not very well because they thought it was easy. Yes. And it got a bit of a bad name then. Yes. But when played really well, yes. like, people like important artists were inspired by it. And I think it, and it is also the roots of all or lots of important popular music you have to say you wouldn't you know boogie woogie music it's the first stuff where like it's actually it was it was, it was you had rhythm and blues and it was freer yes and it's like if you 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 you, you know modern r&b is related to it modern rock and rock rock and roll music you know little richard wouldn't be there no. the beatles wouldn't be there without little richard no. oasis wouldn't be there without the beatles and then on the other side of it you know all of the the hip-hop artists you know, wouldn't be there without yes. that early, the, the boogie yeah. side of jazz, you know, it's like... A, you can track it through. Yeah, you can it's see it's, at least yeah. everything. Well, that's, that's a brilliant start as a first word. Just tell us your second word. My second word today, John, is scale. Scale, which is, I think, has a number of different meanings. Yes, OK, so, well, you're right there, because the first sentence I've got here is that there are multiple uses for the word scale, each with a slightly different etymological root. Now, I'm making an assumption here, so all my notes are based on the assumption that we're talking about scale in the musical sense, hopefully. We're well, not. Well, well, we could be. Well, that's oh, what I mean. That's why okay. I like it. It affects okay. Okay. every corner of our, every, that, that, every aspect. I'll rattle through then. So I think something that what jumped out to me that scale is from uh, the Latin scala, meaning ladder. 
Um, ah, I didn't know that. That's La Scala, so that's that, that's a link Interesting. there. Interesting. Yes. So uh, I've learned something there. Thank you, right, yeah. Thank you. Well, so it's not a wasted note. No. Uh, then uh, rattling through, that, according to the Encyclopedia Britannica, in general, the simplest scales can be found in very old music and in the music of non-literate cultures, while the most complex scales occur, occur in the world's most advanced Apparently, there's an infinitely wide range of possibilities for scale, but a surprisingly number of scale types predominate throughout the world. Then the intervals found in non-Western music often approximate rather closely the basic whole step and half step intervals that are used in Western music. I was going to say that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that's right. I think, of course. I was interested in the scar, uh, scala taken from the, the what you say, yeah. the ancient Greek. They're Latin. Yeah, Latin, because yeah. the ancient Greeks are supposed to have come up with the first idea of creating a scale because that one in like a forge where they're making metal. Yes. They realised if they had a bar that was a certain length and a bar that, and a short bar, they'd hit the short bar and it'd go bonk bonk bonk, and they'd hit the long bar and it'd go bonk bonk bonk, and it would be an octave. And they had thus discovered an octave. Wow. And then they discovered a fifth. And that was the beginnings of having a scale. Yeah, I don't. Well. Th- it's a bit hard to actually. I've realised it's a bit hard without having a keyboard here oh, to, yes. to play them to, to illustrate to what the different scales are. Um, and musical scale is, of course, a very important part of it. The chromatic scale, where you hit every note, or the minor scale, which is has sadness to it. The major scale, which is relatively simple. Mm. But not only, of course, is there musical scales, there's a number of different scales, which I perhaps you'd both like to discuss. One of them, of course, is the scales on a crocodile or our teeth or on a part of our body when we're not well. Yes. And the other is scale model or the scale of something. So you'd have something that was enormous or something that's very small, you know, uh, a tin of baked beans. But as an example, at school with my friend as an art project we made a giant packet of number six cigarettes. Fantastic. And a box of matches yes. to go with it. That was sort of, I suppose, about three foot by two foot across. Yes. It couldn't open right. I think we made one cigarette and yes. that broke. Somebody, one, like a, you know, yeah. somebody hit somebody with that or something. But that was quite good. As an example, also, for instance, you know, I've come out about this, so you might have, uh, but I've got a large model railway. Yeah. And that's all got to be the scale. You know, if you look at, and so sometimes I'll, on my walk here through uh, Soho today, I was looking at the buildings and thinking, what sort of size? Let us get the what's the what is the human scale? How big are people? Next to that, you know. So, so yeah, scale is, this, is lots. This this appreciation of scale and size. We'll, we'll put the musical bit to one side because you mentioned your your, your model railway and that that as I understand it, and I've only read about it. Obviously, never had this conversation with you about it. You would see something and go, "I'd like that." In my model railway, which uh, I've read is apparently to scale from Berlin to London or something. There's the point, you see, even as a good point about scale, even if you, as, and as the gurus in the model railway world have told me, you know, even if you've got an enormous room, everything has to be squashed down a bit more to make it all fit. Because if you really wanted to have this uh, model railway from Berlin to London, it would be probably from here it would be probably about five you know five miles long how long is it really from berlin to london is it 700 yeah. miles or something but it would then need to be sort of six miles long or something to be down the yeah. so actually everything is squashed up a bit i've got quite a big one as they say if, forgive the innuendo no, but no, but but model uh, wise but there's always and i'm always trying to squash something into it so, so but are you making these things are you buying them? well you know people you've heard of the expression checkbook gardener I'm yeah. not a checkbook model because I do do quite a bit myself, but some things I can't do. 
can't regret everything. And so I will I will farm certain things out for, to get them made. And the joy of it, and, I, and I'm really fascinated with this, and I'll and I tell you why, for, for two reasons. One is I had a cousin who, who sadly died young, and one of the issues with him when he died is that... Um, one of his big passions was his model railway. So he had this model railway built in the spare room of his house that that it was a whole thing for his family to say, like, we we don't want to take it apart because yeah. it's his lasting memory. He put so much in it. Yeah. And you can't take it apart without breaking it. And so there was a huge emotional yeah, yeah, yeah. investment well, in it. Because that. he spent so much time and pleasure in it. Exactly. That's the thing for them to remember, maybe, how much he enjoyed being there. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it was a huge thing for them because it was like a symbol of his passion. Mm. But I, I think that would be the thing, and I could quite see that they were quite right to sort of very upsetting for anybody who had a room full of stuff that you've that they've spent lots of time over. One of the gurus who I spoke about was the wizened, white-haired Santa Clausian-looking figure of the Willing Model World, where I, which I visited some thirty years ago when I was first sort of putting my toe in the water. And he said to me, with from in between his... He was eating a sandwich between his yeah. out of his white beard. I'd bought something and something else. And he said, remember, Jules, he said, don't rush this. He said, it's your modelling time. He said, that's the, it's the modelling time. And when he said that, I rather imagined me sort of being like sort of Kate Moss and sort of <laughs> pouting yeah, at the yeah. camera. But no, he meant that it's a time... So it's a time you spent doing whatever it is. You know, some people go fishing. Some people might paint as a hobby. Some people... Whatever. Yeah. You, I mean, I don't know. What do you have a... Of thing that takes you away from no, your everyday. Well, I'm I'm looking for that, and that's why I'm interested. That you said thirty years ago, which means you weren't doing it as a kid. You were deciding to do this as at that time thirty years ago. You're probably in squeeze. You're in a band. You're you're, you're doing things, and when everyone else is is going crazy, having parties, doing drugs, you go. I think I'll get into modelling. <laughs> what was what yes. was the pe- what was the moment? That well, you there, was thought? A, there was a bit of both. I had a small layout, and actually, my other big guru is uh, Sir Rod Stewart. Mm. Not only one of the great singers of all time, but he's also he's got a huge layout. Yeah. And I, I, I um, at the time, I didn't know him so well. I bumped into him at um at a something a charity thing that he was doing, and I said to him, oh, "I understand you've got a layout," and he looked at me. As if to say, oh, like, and yeah, record. What do you, you know, like? Because I think Johnny come lately. Yeah, well, no, more like, oh, somebody else come to scoff. Ah, they've changed a little bit now. They've changed their tune a bit now in, yeah. in modern Britain. You know, we've become a bit more tolerant of this sort of thing. But and he said, oh yeah, what scale? So the scale came into it again. Yeah, the word scale. Yeah. So I said, well, uh, double O. He said, what do you mean? I said, four millimeters to the foot, the precise scale. Yeah. Then he understood. He understood he that I wasn't yeah, the language. like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Is that yeah. like a little Masonic handshake? Uh, no, it was it was just in. a reassurance that yes. I wasn't I wasn't yes. I wasn't there. You were to, there to I wasn't, exactly. I wasn't it. a scoffer. Yes. I was a, no. I was a, I was I was one of us. Yes. And um, so I, I said, now you've got because I've, I've seen it in a magazine. I said you've got a huge layout, and he said, I said he said, Jay said, you know, I'm going to say to you, and we and we were sort of had to go. There was some thing at this charity. And he had to go one way. I had to go another. He said, I'm telling you, this is the thing you've got to do. He said. What the most important thing is to have as much space as, as you can possibly have. You can never have a room big enough. There isn't a room big enough that yeah. you can have your layout in. And the bigger your room, the more pleasure it will give you, he said. Well, he was the guru because he was right. Because I had had a layout in a room this size that we're in now, which is, how would you describe right. this? Was this about 10 foot scale? Yeah, yeah. 10, uh-huh. scale, yeah. It's 10, foot, yeah. 10 foot by about um, six, seven foot across, something yeah. like that. And so I had it in a shed that big, but... I then managed to make a space that's about 60 feet long. 
and about 12 feet long. So I could have it going up oh, both sides. Wow. So you got about 120 feet. And that, even that, he, he was right. Uh, but that's a, that's, and I'm, I'm lucky because I've managed to build that space. And, and of course, not everybody can have that space. That's the best bit about it. Do, do you find this as an escape to an escape from the world that you're in where everyone's looking at you because everything that you do is performance driven and so it's you're giving out to everybody i suppose partly that but partly i suppose just to sort of take you to it's a bit like going on holiday without having to go anywhere because you're immediately in a place in a different place working out where you're going to put a few trees or something like that i think that's when my family stopped going on holiday with me when i said we're going to go we're going to have a sketching holiday looking at the uh industrial uh, wastelands of uh, England and Britain and Europe. Oh, cool. And, uh, and they, they, they didn't seem so keen on no. that. There were, were, were no sunshine, no... Some people. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so um, there's plenty of advantages. Yeah. <laughs> the other form of scale, which I said I wanted to come back to, was musically. You know, scale... Yes. Uh, and it's interesting that we take Boogie Woogie, which is a free thing, and scales, I've always thought within music, scales is like, if you like, rules. Yeah. And I may have got that wrong, because one of the things that I've learned about myself particularly after this lockdown period, is the reason I can't play the piano has got nothing to do with the lack of time. Because <laughs> now that I've all the, all the time in the world, I still haven't learned to play the piano. Yeah, but yeah, I think you've, yeah, I, I think it's easier when you're older. I do think that. Really? I think because you because, well, like you say, because you, you've got more time. I think when you're, if you're eight and you really want to do it like I did, it was great. But if you're eight and you've got lots of diversions, like you want to go and play football or you want to do something else you don't want to sit uh, sitting at a musical instrument for an hour yes. will seem like a, a month, long time yeah. you know whereas yeah. when you're growing up you're sitting somewhere for an hour and trying to work something up doesn't that, seem you like know what? that's giving me so much hope because everybody's assumption when you're asking me before if, I, if i've got a passion i'm thinking no i'm looking for something because i need to i need to direct free time energy growth i want to learn something new and everything keeps on telling me learning a musical instrument but somewhere in my head i've gone no, that, that ship sailed. That's, You'll that's, never have that manual dexterity or that patience or that. No, that, 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 that was my. Uh, I was interested when he said it's easier as an adult. I play guitar, obviously not anywhere near the level that you do, but I play guitar for like 30 odd years. And what I found when I've. The people that have. The adults that I've tried to show how to play guitar, my main obstacle has been them saying, I can't play guitar. They see themselves not as a musician. Yeah. They say, I'm not musical. You know, I want to play, but I'm not, and that that seems to be the barrier. That their their, their yeah, own it's, it's, definition yeah, well, exactly. of themselves, I think, and that's true. I think with um, a lot of things, not yes. just learning music. Oh, I can't do that. People immediately start. If you still start thinking, well, I can't do that, well, of course you you're can't. right. Yeah. Although the other thing I have, because people sometimes say to me, "Oh, I'm thinking of taking the piano." Any tips? And I say, "Well, yeah. Have you got a piano? No." no. So <laughs> yeah. that is a start. Yeah, you know start. what I mean? I mean, yeah, it, it sound like it would sound like the I, sort of obvious, but I don't want to be pedantic. Yes, oh, exactly, yeah. or difficult, or, but that really is the. I taught the writing at the Ted Hughes Centre in the north of England for a while, and uh, these the people that were on the writing courses had. Uh, regular jobs and uh, so in some cases has remortgaged the house and were attending expensive courses all over the country learning to write and in the, exactly that in the first class that I addressed there were 12 people there and I said put your hands up who wants to be a writer and they all did put your hand up uh, if you're currently writing and there was two mm. and I, I, so in order to it's a simple if you want to be a writer right yeah. yeah also of course you have to have a pen yes a pen have and a i pen. did i once this yes. is quite good once i was at a stand i was standing next to tom, tom 
Stoppard, yes. great playwright, right? great bloke, right? And uh, I was quite in, in awe of him, but it was just like it was a little party and he was standing there. And I had to write something. I was talking to somebody and I had to write something down. I didn't have a pen. This episode is brought to you by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I said, and I, and I said, Tom, I'm really sorry. I said, well, could I just borrow your pen a moment? Because I'd seen you had a pen. So he got out this very nice fountain pen, oh. took the top off, gave it to me. I said, oh, thanks. And I wrote the thing. He said, by the way, he said, please do make sure that you give me my pen back. I said, of course, I can see it's quite a valuable pen. He said, no, it's not that. He said, um, he said I don't actually have any talent at all. It's all that pen. You see, it's a magic that's pen. That's the one. That's, yeah, it's all <laughs> what, through, a great, yeah. what a great answer. Yeah, yeah. What a great thing. <laughs> On that point of, of, you know, you've got to have a piano or, you know, musical talent, I'm not musical. Do you feel that that's a comment that some people just definitely are not musical? Well, I suppose some people aren't. Like, some people just aren't, like, going to, aren't cut out for certain things, you know, whether it's, I don't know, whatever it's, you know. You know, I don't think any of us, for instance, sumo wrestling's probably not for us. Not as anymore, an example. no. Don't say the, the, that. The, the, not anymore. Tony no. no. totally likes it all. I like, yeah. I'd like a role. Yeah, yeah, so but so, you know, I think some people it doesn't suit, but I think I think it's it's something worth trying. And the more you, it's like anything, the more you do it. But the only way I think to learn anything is you have to love it, uh, because unless you enjoy it, there isn't any point no, in doing no, it. Unless, and so you've got to play pieces of music that you think, or try and learn pieces of music that you think you're going to enjoy. And I think nowadays there's more people uh, who will teach you if you want. They'll teach you by ear just to say well, this is how you play certain things which is a good way to start yeah yeah, yeah. whereas before people were more strict they just treat you by reading music you know i never learned to read music the incredible thing with music as well is there's not a human being on the planet for whom music has not been in the life no well you say that i have met two people funnily enough there's two people there's two people on you who are much couple. older than me no whoever uh, <laughs> they were the, the anti-musicists yes, exactly. no there are some you know you, you'd think it would be impossible and they were both curiously enough one was a fellow, he was called Felix Barker, and he wrote a, his, he wrote a bit of histories of London, and he was also a film and theatre critic in the 50s and 60s, and he was pet in the 60s and 70s, I suppose, and his daughter was great friends of ours when we were in Squeeze. And he was ever such a nice fellow, a very erudite, you yes. know, like, and he was friends with Dirk Bogart and things, and they were, he was, like, really ever such a nice fellow. Yeah. And, you know, very eloquently spoken and everything, and wrote... Beautifully, but if he heard music, for him it was like hearing a horrible crashing noise. All Even music. if it was the most beautiful sort of piece of bark or 
you know, or the prettiest Beatles song. It wouldn't matter. That's just the bees. It was, it was like a crashing noise. And I met one other man that was like that, you know. Oh, that big as belief. I wonder, what's that? I don't know what it means. It's just no. some, he's just, the makeup, you know, it's just. To be completely. Yes. To what? And, and also, but somebody who is like, you know, if he were here now, fascinating bloke. He's, he wrote a book on the history of London, one of the best books you could think of mm. the history of London. You know, um, he's, he's a reviewer, he was great because he only ever said nice things. Yes. He yeah. never said a bad word about anybody. Good. I mean, he was, a re- and, and that's really hard. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, God, if, yeah. you know, if he'd yeah. come to see us, I mean, yeah. God, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. man's a genius. I, I just want to pick up on what you said about learning and loving, and, and uh, again, uh, just personally speaking, the, the people that I love are autodidacts, they are self-taught, and they... Uh, and they're, uh, That's a good word, autodidact. I saw it the other day and didn't know what it meant to look yes, at yeah, that. Yeah, self-taught, yeah. Self-taught, yeah, yeah. And I think you can spot those people in amongst... The people who have followed the orthodoxy and learned the rules, but and there are other people who uh, it's a, a, a sort of. Oh, it goes back to your early thing about that epiphany and the odyssey and following the. If 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 you love something, it truly is a lifelong in any field of endeavour. I know people who are talk about wrestling. I know people who are into Brazilian jiu-jitsu and they're sort of in their early seventies and still every day waking up thinking about how they might yeah yeah, yeah it's a, a lifelong thing yeah and it's a and i think you're right the self-taught is a well, autodidact very good word yes. why did i choose that word why didn't uh, you tell no, me to choose no, that word no no but but we'll, we'll come on to your third word you can make it up and say it's autodidact uh, thank you <laughs> <laughs> yeah we've got that word. Yeah. Drop yeah, yeah so we've had two great words we've had scale as your second word and boogie wiggy is your first word so what would be your third word well i could put a lot of thought into this for five minutes yesterday <laughs> and came up and, it, and, it, and i thought i'll just choose a word because i like the sound of it there's nothing yeah, more to it no than that it doesn't it's just i really quite liked it and i was on tour and we were in austria and it was just and they were uh, and we'd done some shows and then it was just like the shows were getting cancelled and we were in a hotel the first we were in Linz, and the first and this show we were doing cancelled and i was in the we were in the hotel having dinner or something and, the, uh, and then we we're having a drink at the bar and there was me and ruby turn and we're sitting there and a nice young woman behind the bar said oh you're not doing your show i said i said no no she said oh, that's a shame she said but, but uh, it will and she said something like it was because she was spoke half german half sort of in english she said but you'll be able to enjoy and you, you will be enjoying thrilling i said i'm sorry you've been enjoying thrilling because it has a normal attitude. Yes, yes, and I thought yeah. it sounded so German. Yes. I, yes. Said, what, I said, what's thrilling? She said, it is the spring. Oh. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code AUDIO to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code AUDIO at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code AUDIO. Oh, that's a nice thing. And I thought that's just... And the way she said it, I thought that's... And and I do think, and you probably don't get many people in here saying this, but I do think... The German language, when spoken, is rather beautiful. It's. I think it's uh, not only is the language beautiful. I think the way that the Germans use their language. I was just thinking when I heard the word. Uh, uh, there's a word. The words uh, Germans have the word "kommaspec." You know the word "kommaspec." Now, what does that mean? Well, "kommaspec" is for the weight that you put on after you've been 
you've had a tragedy in your life and its literal translation is grief bacon. Oh. So if you've put weight on after the loss of somebody, it's yeah. cumber spec, yeah. So I, I, I've, I did German at school, which was really unusual in Sheffield in the 70s, and, and I did find it a beautiful, yeah. Uh, 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 yeah, fascinating. So while we're it's quickly fruling, you're right, it's, it's uh, German, it's the two elements with fru, which have the, the umlaut over, and ling. Literal translation is earliness. That's a oh, is that what it is? Earliness, yeah. Yeah, that's that's the, earliness of yes. spring. So it was the earliness yeah. of spring, and she. But then, I rather after we didn't have the shows, and not mm. the, not quite the end of the world, but it meant all the lights got turned off everywhere, and that and so yeah. and her words sort of they did yeah. sort of ring true as exactly because as as we now we're now like, like late, much later in the year, I have been watching the, the fruling. Yes, you know, I'm more aware the of the fruling than yeah, ever, right? Exactly because yeah, you're yeah, not so bracing around. You can hear it coming. Yeah, it's interesting as well because on the road, I often you know we often pass. I'm going in the same venues you're going in, and you 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 see people who are on the road, and this enforced pause for you. How has that been? Well, like for all of us, like for you, like for the, all the people doing the theatres and all the people, of course, working in the theatres, all the people who go to the theatres who want to get out and enjoy themselves, all of the people that are associated with it, like, you know, the people who are the drivers, the caterers, the people that tell the T-shirts, everything, the people that go and stay in the hotels who because they're coming to see you. You know, you were saying earlier the show, there's a, a nice big venue in Southport that's closed down. Yeah gone out of business you know things like yeah. that so it's been pretty disastrous for everybody yeah. and all the musicians and, and all of the people that work in it you know and so it's uh, i think um but i mean all you can do you i think there's no point there's probably a very good german expression or word but i don't know what it is that means there's no point in getting worried about something you can't do anything about but is this is this for you personally the longest period of time where you've stayed in one place been at home yes without a question yeah. that's yeah. right i've never been i've always spent i have spent my life uh, on tour really since the age of 16 or 17 with yeah. squeeze we went out first probably went first went to america when we were maybe i was maybe 18 and spent three or four months of the more you know just on tour all the time well, every year so, so for it, not yeah. to be out and not to be able to also there that it's the if it's your job like it is yours to engage with an audience that's part of your you know, you do it, you know, like Arthur Rubenstein, the great pianist, not Boogie Woogie, but he always said, when somebody said to him, oh, uh, is that right, you've got, you were paid more than anybody to play at the Carnegie Hall, this is in the 1920s, he said, yes, this is true, he said, but don't tell my agent, he said, I'll do it for nothing. He yes. said, and it's like yeah. a lot of the musicians, yes. my yeah. musicians at first were saying to me, once we were, at first they're saying, oh, you know, oh, this is no good, it's no, but, it's, but it's like an enforced holiday. And then they're saying, well, this is our lives. This is not. It's a. It's not just what you do as a job. You do it anyway. It's what you do. You're yeah. trying to no, no, connect no, with people, no, play absolutely. to people, play your yes. music, and it's, it's like what you are. Yeah, it's exactly yes, it's exactly what, it's it's what, what you are. It's exactly. inseparable from that. I wanted to ask you. Uh, we're all in the same, roughly in the same field. I have personally found some benefits from this time. Some tangible, some not so tangible. Have, have you felt any benefits that you can that you've taken from this time? Well, I suppose. Yes, in that, well, one is seeing the spring, the fruiling. Yes. Because yeah. I hadn't really yeah. observed it. You can observe nature. You can see sort of the flowers coming out. You know, I think it's for the first time ever I've lived in a routine where you think, oh, yeah. Friday night, I'll do this Saturday night. Oh, well, you're at home for Friday and Saturday night. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah. that's quite unusual. Mm. And, um, and 
I thought at first, but there's a strange thing that happens where you don't get things done that you thought you were going to do. I had lots of LPs and half of them were out, and I had half of them in boxes. I thought, oh, I've got to get all those out and sort those out, put them on shelves. I could never, there's never the time to do it. If there's not always now, when, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's a lot of things you think, well, if I can't get this done now, I really just shouldn't bother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All my writer friends have, uh, all feel an immense self imposed pressure, which most pressure usually is. All of them, I think, to a man or a woman, have all said, now's the time I can actually sit down and write the thing that I want to write. Yeah, exactly. And I think that I could count on one hand those who yeah, actually exactly. have done yeah, yeah. But The difficulty with that, though, is when you're, when you're trying to be creative in an abnormal environment... Yes, yes. I, force, I, anything it's, forced. It's quite stifling. Yeah. Yes. And also, I think, with uh, if you're doing stand-up comedy or if you're doing music, you're actually feeding partly off of the the yeah. creative or your writing it's partly off of the, the events that are happening around you the events that are happening on stage or you're playing but it's different every night because you're bouncing Absolutely, back off of the yeah. new things coming out of, of yeah. your 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 interaction with the audience and you know my orchestra we're always learning new music because that's what keeps the spirit of it alive if you just played the same thing all the time it's, it wouldn't work and we're not learning new music we're not doing anything so but although i have tried i did try to learn some i've tried to learn some things and I've, i have written some things curiously enough they've just because i've been sitting at the piano more often so i've been sitting right. at the piano and more things are just by sitting and playing yeah is there ever a moment where you're saying there that you sat at the piano more is there ever a moment where you look at the piano and it's and you look at it as a work thing, or is it always a friend? Well, it is most of all. That's a very good way of putting it. It is the friend in the corner of the living room, and uh, it's also your tool for working with. And I mean, and Ray Charles said to me once. He said, "You know, you know, I go out and I have a. F I have, sometimes I really have a fight with the piano, yeah. and to get out what I'm trying to get. And sometimes." I win and sometimes the piano wins he said but I never know which one it's going to be so yeah. you never know what's going to happen when you engage with it sometimes it's frustrating but you go back another time and it's oh it's everything's Same great pen, no, you can't, you yeah. don't sometimes know, it'll you, let you wrangle it and yes, sometimes it's, 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 it's not it's, 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 whatever way it's got you know you never you can never predict what's way it's going to go so although it is a, a work thing sometimes it's ultimately a thing that you can that is a thing of pleasure and fascination I think and also you know it's because you can never quite figure it out you can never it's a bit of a mystery like yes. the music is you know you think you've got it and then you haven't quite got it and you hear something else you but know that's, that's the great thing that's what keeps you going you know yes. the enigma that's the thing that I have I, I've, I've loved about you and watching your career because I, I've been you know from afar watching it and the, the, the later with Jules Holland when I was saying before about bringing in new music and that passion to continue not going not saying you could have done with squeeze you yeah, bring out cool for yeah. cats everyone goes that's great just make more of them and you've got no actually i need to you've de you developed your own tv persona and so on but beyond that persona just that that first and love for for music and performance i think is yeah the discovery is, is a great thing to see yeah. in anybody yeah i agree and i you can i think you can sense that when you see actors writers performers stand-ups all the th you know you can you can sense it when they're when they're discovering they're almost making themselves laugh yeah or they're making themselves uh, you know if they can't if, if 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 you don't love it nobody else is going to what you're yeah. doing you there's know? a giddiness to it i find there's a giddiness of that joy of discovery and then bringing the discovery to others yeah which is how i that's how i take it in your entire career that i've followed i like john followed it all the way through 
I, I, I honestly say that I've probably seen every show you've ever done. I, I'm not going to like everything. No. But, but I, I think every show that I've ever seen, there's been somebody or one tune that I've absolutely loved and that I've disappeared down a rabbit hole following that artist. You've inter- introduced... Uh, yeah, so many. Literally, uh, probably literally hundreds of artists to me. Oh, well, that is great. I think yeah. if you've done, you know, if you just introduce one thing, that's good. And, and I think one of the purposes of the TV show is to also be a home for some of the music that doesn't have a home elsewhere on a television. Yeah. So, for instance, you know, and I'm just using these as genres of music, but like folk music or European music or uh, ska or reggae music, it doesn't, there's not, there's not really any mainstream shows where that music can go. No. If you've got a huge big pop artist, you know, there are a few shows where they can go. But we d- deliberately are trying to, uh, uh, and yes. and and to put new artists on as well. Do, yeah. do, do you feel it. that that, as Tony said, you can bring somebody on, you know, that people haven't seen before, and then the C Six Steve was the one. Yeah, that sticks C Six Steve yeah. is a good example yeah. for John you know, Misty. There, people that I've seen on your show, and blah, 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 and I've gone into the maybe, you know, the the access to them now is so easy because people can then pick up the phone and download things. Yes. Do you think that's killed some of the mystery or has it enhanced no, the I, opportunity? It's a good, very good question. I think it's what I was thinking this the other day because it's sort of 50 50. It used to, I think, on the one side of it, that bit, it's a bit like the harder things are to discover or the harder the, things are to get the more people the more you yeah. treasure it yeah. and the fact that I had to what we were saying I had to walk through the dangerous streets of Soho in my shorts skipping along through yeah. past beckoning sin to get to a record shop you, you know you had to save up and go and get a record and then you'd go back and you'd listen to that record yeah, a lot well now up, yeah. anybody can listen to anything yes. ever yeah. on their phone yeah. and it has a, a, a for two minutes and it gets bored with it or whatever the tyranny of choice yes exactly sometimes, yeah, yeah exactly sometimes it's yeah, not, yeah, and that, yeah. that thing you said about saving that is a, such a I'm sure it is with you john or maybe people of an our age i remember so vividly saving up for my first song and the pennies and the walk to the shop and the the ownership of that record and then i've it's I'm interesting what was, your, what was your first record my first record was uh elton john it was crocodile rock yeah, mine no. was a uh, buzzcocks ever fallen never fallen in love with somebody yeah, you shouldn't yeah, have fallen yeah. in love with yeah, on seven on and as a vinyl, coloured vinyl. No, it was black, but it had the blue blue centre and See that, that squirrely that, thing for the. Richard Holly and I talk about this uh, often. This Richard's got a big thing about this because there is something about actually physically having that thing, having that music yes. in your possession, which is why yes. it's called it adds back, value. It? Yes, it and, adds value. And this is the other thing I'd say: if you've got that first Buzzcocks record or that first Elton John record, that actual one you bought, not another copy. No, the one. That that one will also have a particular specific sound that no other one will have because it's got your own little cr- scratches and crackles yeah, on it. Yes, I realise yes. that. I listened to uh, one of my early... Course, I, I yeah. found the record. I got a Doughbells, actually. Seals, very badly yeah. scratched. Wow. But it did sound really of good. Of And it sounded... It's, it, like, it suddenly... It, was, it's, it startled me because it, took, it was very specific. So I think whenever you hear your first music... But particularly, and I mean, I'm not, uh, you know, the, the, the fact that you can get the music on your phone, it's great. I look things up some, all the time, you know, yeah. it's great. But going back to the thing of that first experience, you, the, the actual record that you owned Tactile. will take you, and the sound of that actual record will take you like a, a rocket back to where, where, wherever it was. And, and how you felt about the music. And the thing is, with really great music, what happens is when you hear it then, sometimes it sounds even better. 
like the thing sounds better you know um other times you think why do i buy that shit yeah <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah 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 um yeah. But, oh, brilliant that yes that was brilliant right it never occurred to me no no well jules you've been a great guest we asked our guests always to bring in the three words which you've done brilliantly but also to bring in one word they would be happy never to hear again so your final word that you would rather never hear again well it's a i don't you know i don't mind when people use it really but it's just it's but it's a bit modern and that's guys and, 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 and it's like and it's like what when i go oh, in especially when I we're in a restaurant it's like that. would sir like a menu would madam like to sit down no it's, you are you guys, guys ready I oh, could, you I guys hold on you. hold on we're not we don't know one another one enough to call us that yet you know if i was talking to both of you it would be all right because i've got to know you now that's yeah, all right yeah. but with strangers it's not on and hey guys <laughs> hey guys when i say that so what are you talking about you're talking about do you mean mr holland are you are yeah, you saying you i'd know, go beyond that i can't even if familiarity doesn't lift the curse for me i just find it's an um it's a terror it's it always feel clunky you yes, know what it it's just, i it's go sort of, right back to your first word boogie woogie and i can see somebody getting on the piano going come on guys join yeah, in yeah, and Jules go that's way. it that's that's a, yeah, lid slam down yeah. storms out <laughs> yeah well you've got an ally in me i absolutely 100 percent get that that can definitely go oh brilliant we can get rid of that jules thank you for your time but also can i just actually with the, with the guys when somebody in advert says yes th- th- those guys are whatever company yeah, those corporation, guys over at corporation yeah. implying that yeah, they're that sort they're of individual all, people yeah. who are really going to help a, you rather a, than a human the corporation who are going to yeah, oh, just want your money yeah, yeah, in so, right, yeah. yeah and to grind yeah. you down yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jules, this has been a great journey yeah. thanks guys as we both yeah yeah i was going to say you're such a big such a great i was going to say what a great guy i don't mind that no in the singular no 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 it's just guys yeah. Yes. Yeah, okay. No, it has. It's been great. As you said, we've been Beautiful. fans for a long time, no, but I've never had fun. this opportunity to talk to you before, and I've really appreciated it. I know Tony has, and uh, and I look forward to another four decades with you. No, on it's telly been... and bringing new music to us. It's been great fun. Thank you very yeah, much. Beautiful. Thanks, Jules. I tell you what, Tony. I thought Jules was was ace. Yeah, uh, ace, yeah. and again, somebody. Who you feel privileged to spend some time with? Uh, what I got from Jules was how lightly he wears uh, the crown. I think there was a moment there in the in the podcast when he said uh, Ray Charles said to me, and then yeah. he just scooted on, and I thought, oh yeah, of course, because he's walked in the room with everybody, and he he seems singularly without affectation or ego, but also. What it did is it made me one step away from Rachel. Yeah, no, exactly that. Yeah, exa- exa- that was, yeah. Uh, look, I'm, we're in the same business, John, aren't we? And we meet people all the time. And I, I know people who, uh, if they spoke to Rachel, you'd know that within two seconds of saying hello because he would have crowbarred it in. But this is it. I mean, again, I think what this show gives them is an opportunity to talk about that life through their own experiences without it feeling any way like the flagpole. Yeah, exactly that. My experience is those at the very top of the mountain, at the summit of the profession, usually are really nice human beings. 
because there's no scrabbling he, for them to do. He said it himself, Jules. You know, when you're successful, it gives you confidence. When yeah. you've got self-confidence, you yeah. don't need. You don't to be need a dick. to. You don't have to be a dick. Yeah, exactly. Whereas, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that you enjoyed that episode of Three Little Words as much as we did. I absolutely love doing this show with Tony and the guests have been brilliant. Don't forget to subscribe, follow, leave us a review, recommend us to any of your friends. This podcast was brought to you by our partner, Quorn. Super protein, super tasty. Remember those stories and fables that would capture your imagination and you couldn't wait to see how they would unfold? And now, when you read them as an adult, you think some of these old tales could use a fresh spin. We have a perfect podcast to bring you the stories you remember, remix, and reimagine for the kids in your life today. Join me, DJ Fuse, and my trusty turntable, Baby Scratch, as we spin up new tales in the New Kids and Family Podcast, Once Upon a Beat. Wondry and Tinkercast are bringing you a jam-packed, music-filled weekly party where hip-hop and fables meet. It's Once Upon a Beat. Follow Once Upon a Beat on the Wondry app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Once Upon a Beat early and ad-free right now by joining Wondry Plus in the Wondry app or Wondry Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. Once Upon a Beat.